I'm Trent, and this is the Alleviating Poverty Through Entrepreneurship podcast. In this episode, we speak with Amy Peterson, a Detroit native who started Rebel Now, a business that employs disadvantaged women to produce jewelry. Now, the jewelry isn't typical jewelry. Rather, it's made from repurposed graffiti. On top of the jewelry making, Rebel Now also offers financial literacy training to their women. Where I live in Detroit was right next door to one of the shelters. And so when I would walk my dog, I would talk to the residents of the shelter, primarily uh, the women. And after hearing their stories, very courageous stories of how they left very challenging situations, um, you know, that really inspired me to do something to help them be in a situation where they would never end up back in a shelter. And so much of that revolved around financial empowerment and financial literacy. Many of them had had jobs in the past but lost them due to controlling relationships. Um, so that was really uh, the forefront of like how can I find a way to employ them but um, really teach them about financial literacy, business education, and kind of life wellness. And so that was, that was how it started. And then the backup was like, okay, how do I support this? I had a jewelry business when I was in law school many moons ago. So I had a lot of materials left over from that. It's kind of a natural fit. Um, and then my business partner, she also has a much you know, stronger background in jewelry making. So we just both had that in common. And we're like, okay, we're going to make this work. We both know jewelry. Um, let's find a really cool Detroit-centric jewelry that we can make and so the two of us really played a lot played around for several months until uh, we figured it out and it was a run on the dequinder cut it really inspired me because there was all sorts of graffiti on the ground so it's kind of how it all started now we couldn't help but wonder how do you make jewelry from graffiti luckily amy was willing to share some of her secret process with us once they cut out the piece then we adhere it to to silver, and then we put a protective resin on top of it to like protect it, but then also adhere it from the from the side as well. Um, and then the one really cool thing is there's a little chain at the top of each piece with initials that tell you where in the city we found the graffiti. So it's been good for collectors. Now Rebel Nell doesn't just hire anybody. In fact. Amy hires her employees via a comprehensive interview process. Sure. Um, actually, it's a it's it's a pretty long interview process. So first, we get the pool of candidates from the shelter, and we will interview that almost the entire pool. Usually, it's about eight to ten women, and we just went through this. Uh, we hired another two women, um, so we meet with them. Uh, we first meet with them at the shelter, then we meet with them at another location just to make sure they're able to get somewhere on time and, you know, hold that as a priority. And then the third process is we actually have them um, go in and meet with our existing women because that's really, really important. We have such a family atmosphere and it's important that everyone get along and the women that are already there have a say in who we hire as well because everyone's got to get along and work well together. So it's really like a four-part um, step to making sure that they're the right fit and personality. Like Amy mentioned previously, her relationships with the women at a homeless shelter were her greatest inspiration for the project. We asked her to talk more about her relationship with the shelter and how crucial that was in the project's success. Sure, and that's a really good question. And that I told someone today that that's probably the, the key to our success 
is having that relationship with the shelter. They were so supportive of our idea early on, but we went in and we met with all the caseworkers and we explained to them you know, the type of women that we're looking to hire. We don't need them to have a background in jewelry making or any stretch of the imagination, but we need women who are ready for a transitional opportunity. You have to be ready. Um, you have to be, you know, willingness to want to change your situation, a desire to learn, and you're able to work with others. That's really all we look for. So we're hiring the person. It's not, you know, what their background is or where they've come from or what they've done. We're really looking at the personality. And so what's lovely is that the, the shelter is able to pool these women for us. So that's where we are able to go in and select. We've hired only out of cots so far. Um, you know, we're still small, but hopefully we can expand and one day there won't be any homeless women left. There will be working Rebel Nell or somewhere else. Fantastic. Rebel Nell employees have no choice but to participate in every program that Rebel Nell offers. But as Amy explains, they only employ women who want the multidimensional experience in the first place. Yeah, they have to be involved in everything. Um, and that goes from even our, our financial classes. We have, they have to get set up with a bank account right away. And we help them with that. We assist them with that. But we won't, um, we, we make sure that their, all their money is direct deposited. So that way we ensure that they're controlling their money and it's all you know, through a debit card. Uh, but they have to take these classes. They have to meet with the financial advisor. Um, they have to go to women empowerment classes that we have, but it's, again, these are women who want to go to these things and want the opportunity, so it hasn't been a challenge as of yet. Except we did yoga last night. Some liked it, some didn't, but <laughs> I have those days too. <laughs> Amy doesn't view Rebel Nell as just a place of employment. Instead, she hopes that it can be a transitional opportunity for women's personal development and success. Yeah, I would love... Um, you know, for this to be a transitional opportunity, by no means will I ever put a time stamp on how long women can stay there. But I just want to give them the confidence and the tools that they need for they can go on and make, you know, more money or get a better job or find another outlet with that's more comfortable for them or pursue their own passion or start their own business. Frankly, we want to, we're starting this like pipeline to get them ready to start their own business. Um, if that's something that they're passionate about, we're going to start Business 101 classes soon. But, you know, this, this is just a stepping stone for their own personal growth. Actually, all of our women have done amazing things. Uh, they're all still with us, but they've, all three, two have gone, I'm sorry, uh, two have gone back to school, so they're doing that. Um, two have, are working other jobs that kind of get their feet wet in an area that they really love. So, and then um, the other one is doing something really cool too. Why am I forgetting right now? But yes, the you know, and we we give them that flexibility. I want them to come and say, "Hey, I've got this really cool job opportunity. Great, let's work with your schedule until you're ready to make that leap." You know, let's let's find a way to do it. So, like I said, we have very flexible work hours. We just go on an honesty policy. I need to know when you're there, and then it works. But I want I want them to experience their own personal growth. One thing that particularly stuck out to us was that Rebel Nell offers microloans to its employees. Most social enterprises don't do this, but Rebel Nell has a pretty foolproof system. What's interesting though is that the loans are interest-free and seem to be driven just by philanthropy. Um, you know, for us it was 
how everything has come about and how we've evolved through Rebel Now and made whatever decisions or offerings is is really through listening and it's um, you know hearing stories of why maybe they've lost jobs in the past and you know that that kind of by just taking note and seeing where they are and building this trust with them you learn how to handle certain situations in order to make sure that they're on their best footing so the, the microloan came as an idea that you know, there are just some times when, you know, maybe in the winter the heating bills are a little too high or um, this whole really the first one started because one of our ladies, she couldn't get her car to start in the freezing cold of last February. And she was really upset because she was missing work, but there was nothing she could do. And I said, what if we gave you a microloan to get your car started, you know, get it back. You can pay us, it's interest free, we'll just pay it back, we'll just take it out of your paycheck um, until it's paid off. And that was really how the first one started. And we said, you know, that's a really good idea, a good program. So they, um, we've since offered it to all of our ladies. They've since all paid it back. Um, in fact, you can take out another loan, but you have to make sure the first one's paid off first. Right now we're just maxing out at 200. That's it. That's all you can take at the moment. But sometimes, you know, 200 can get you really far. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, just another thing, you know, most are single mothers and so they've lost jobs in the past because you've got a family of six or five or however many and the flu hits your household you're down for the count I mean you have to take care of all of your kids and they're all gonna get sick different days and unfortunately that sometimes that came with a price and, and losing your job so we try and have a very understanding and supportive work environment and you know, the kids are often allowed to come to work um, we allow flexible work hours we want them to put the focus on the family um, you know, someday down the road, I really hope that I can raise enough funds to, to start a daycare so that the women don't be as concerned. So it's just a matter of listening, and, and that's really how like the whole microloan and everything else have, has, has evolved. Now, Amy, like plenty of other podcast guests we've had, is a proponent of the support your social mission with a business model. They usually argue that nonprofits aren't as reliable because you're constantly relying on grant money. With a business model, however, you're able to fund yourself. I mean, it has to be a business, right? We wouldn't exist without the money that we raise. We wouldn't exist, and I wanted it to be, we're set up specifically as an L3C. Um, I wanted to be sustainable. I didn't want to rely on grant money that will always run out, or I wanted to be able to support ourselves. So it's the business has to grow in order for us to grow. So it's a tricky question, but it's that, again, it goes back to finding that perfect balance of maintaining who we are, the emphasis being on the social mission, and then having this business that supports the social mission. And so we're trying to really tie it all together because all the women that we have, they are a part of every single business decision that we make. I mean, from financials, I frankly just went over our um, year-end um, financials with them, uh, just kind of giving them a like, hey, congrats, look at how much we sold, but this is where our expenses are. We netted zero. That's perfect. That's exactly how I want to run a social enterprise. A, because it avoids paying a lot of taxes, but that's that's how you do it. You know, you're, you're selling enough to support yourself, and, and everybody's happy, and everybody's getting a good wage. That's perfect. So if we can continue to grow just like that, you know, we're not in it to make money. We're in it to, to change these lives. So that's it is. It's finding that balance between social and business, but it, I think it can be done. 
During this interview, it became pretty obvious that Amy is a philanthropist first and a businesswoman second. In fact, she pays herself nearly nothing with Rebel Now revenue. That is correct. I will say that Diana and I just started and we're like at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, we're the least paid employees at Rebel Now right now. But uh, we both maintain our day jobs and this is really a passion project um, as we continue to grow and see what happens. Last year at the APTE Summit, Liz Garlow spoke on the Detroit panel. She's one of the founders of Michigan Corps an organization that facilitates and endorses social innovation in Michigan. As it turns out, Michigan Corps was a key force in helping Amy get Rebel Nell off the ground. Yeah, Michigan Corps, that opportunity was incredible. We um, applied, this was so early on, we were just an idea, and I think I whipped together a business plan almost overnight, submitted it at the last second, and we were really fortunate to win the Spirit of Social Entrepreneurship Award. And with that came uh, kind of free, uh, like almost startup business classes. Uh, you had a mentor and somebody, and you would meet with all the other social entrepreneurs that received recognition through Michigan Core. And it was wonderful to build the, the tools or give us the tools that we needed to really help launch our business. You know, practicing our pitch, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, through that, that was that was really early on and really helped kind of shape how we started out. You know, made sure it was on the right foot. As a developing city, Detroit's environment is especially conducive to social entrepreneurship. On top of that, Detroit has an exceptional support network for social innovation. Amy explained to us how essential Detroit's environment was in her project's success. Yeah, it's amazing here, and it's, I think it's easier to start things here because of the community support. You know, we don't, you know, because of Detroit's current situation, you know, there's still not a lot of competition, um, and I think that that's in a way a good thing because everyone's still really embracing and supportive of each other um, and you know that it, it's it's a small enough community that you know, if you're doing the right thing people will certainly help you out. We asked Amy exactly how crucial is social entrepreneurship in Detroit's future? I think it's I mean personally I, and it's totally biased but I do believe it's kind of the future of Detroit and I think there are so many amazing grassroots startup companies happening here in the city. Um, and as Liz talked about, it's, it has been wonderful to see the concerned private citizens stepping up to kind of take place where government resources had been in the past. And I, I really, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's so much development happening downtown now, and you know, it's trying to find that perfect balance of maintaining the organic nature of what's happening with all these grassroots and social enterprises going on, uh, you know, juxtaposed against the the need for commercialism. So, hopefully, there's still that balance, and hopefully, we can get it right and maintain it. If you'd like to learn more about Rebel Nell, visit www.rebelnell.com. Also, the APTE Summit is coming up on February 28th. If you'd like more information on that or to RSVP, please visit aptesummit.org. In our next episode, we speak with another Detroit entrepreneur named Gary Hendrickson, who speaks quite a bit about the role of social entrepreneurship in Detroit's future. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Once again, I'm Trent Kennedy, and we are alleviating poverty through entrepreneurship.